0: Welcome back. This is Jesse, creator and host of Hack My Business. Thanks so much for listening and supporting the show. As we get ready for season six, which will be coming out later this spring, we thought that we would spend the next few weeks on a special bonus series. We will be revisiting some of our favorite episodes with some amazing women CEOs. There has been an incredible rise in the number of first-time women business owners, and we want to make sure that you get a chance to hear directly from founders who have been there and done that with their own businesses. I hope you enjoy it. And let us know if you have any ideas for future episodes by reaching me at jessie at smallbusinessfront.com. Thanks again for listening.
1: There was a data point around the stimulus checks that came out where they were able to see in specific zip codes where, as soon as the stimulus check landed, there was an increase in those same area codes of people filing to start businesses, specifically black and brown neighborhoods. We're so hungry to be our own bosses, to be entrepreneurs, that we are taking our stimulus check and literally starting a business during COVID. This is what we're doing.
0: It's no secret that the coronavirus is affecting all of us as individuals. But the effect it's having on business, especially small business, is unprecedented. We need a game plan and fast. If we're going to survive this, we need resources and we need each other. We can't do it alone. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. With my background in economic and workforce development, disaster preparedness, and general business strategy, I know I can help you navigate this scary time in your business and beyond. It's all about resiliency. I'll have the most current solutions and best practices available so we can ensure your business not only survives this crisis, but thrives. We'll also be keeping you informed about the latest resources for small business so that you don't miss a thing. Co-hosting with me will be my colleague, Sid Verakura. We'll have invited experts to help us navigate through the current noisy landscape of resources and programs that are being made available today and who will be able to prepare us for tomorrow. Let's do this together. I'm Jesse Torres, and this is Hack My Business. Hi, and welcome back to Hack My Business. It's great to be here again with my co-host, Sid Varakara. Welcome, Sid. Hey, Jesse. It's good to see you, buddy. It's good to see you too, man. How's business?
2: Business is good. Today is one of those days where I found myself just locked in on one project and having a hard time kind of coming out of it and actually doing other work. But, you know, it's a good problem to have. How about you?
0: Same thing, Matt. You know, I find myself making grand plans to do multiple projects during the day and then inevitably find myself just drilling into one, which for that client, it must feel so good for them to get my undivided attention. But it's hard, man. I mean, we talk about this quite a bit—the scheduling, right? The time management, especially when you have things on deadline. That's got to be like one of the biggest challenges. And I know we'll be talking about that, you know, again and again because this constantly comes up.
2: Well, you know, one more thing, Jesse, before we jump into today's show, which is on that note, I, I I just do appreciate on the projects we have together when I'm you know in the middle of one thing and I'll literally get like. 20 emails from you for a different (laughs) client project and I'm like,
0: now, when am I going to have time to react to Jesse? <laughs> I, I wait until I know that you're engrossed in the project and start hammering you on the other one.
2: I know you do. I, I know, know you,
0: you do. You know I do. But let's get to let's get to our guest for today. Sid, would you like to do the honors of the
2: introduction? Yeah, I would love to. Today at Hack My Business, we are so excited to welcome Renee King to our show. Renee is the founder and CEO of Fun Black Founders a black-owned crowdfunding platform for black founders and entrepreneurs. And just today, Fund Black Founders was announced as one of the recipients of the 2021 Google for Startups Black Founder Fund recipients to further support their work in deploying $100 million and more in non-dilutive friends and family capital to black entrepreneurs welcome renee we are both so excited to have you join us here
1: like so you got the news <laughs> like, okay yeah i'm excited to be here too thank you so much i'm like oh yeah they got the news they saw the announcement
2: <laughs> jesse and i like to do our homework occasionally
1: <laughs> I love it i'm like that was hot off the press and you still like got it in so i love it
0: that's true that's right. We've come prepared, Renee. You know, Renee, for this for this season of Hack My Business, what we're doing is we're, we're taking our listeners along with us as we actually work to get our, our own startup. So Sid and I, we actually have a startup we launched earlier this year called Small Business Front. And, uh, you know, as you can imagine, access to capital, you know, trying to understand how do you access capital is always one of the key areas of concern that come up for new ventures. And so for us and for our listeners, you know, we really want to ask, you know, some of the key basics, you know, what is crowdfunding? You know, at what stage should an entrepreneur be looking to crowdfunding for support? We'd love, we'd love your perspective on that.
1: So crowdfunding, first of all, it's a great way to raise capital for your business, right? And there's different types of crowdfunding and different types. Also, there's different stages of entrepreneur is a right fit for the different types. Okay, So depending on where you are, if you're an early stage entrepreneur, you're just starting out, you're just trying to figure out the idea, rewards-based or I would say rewards-based like Kickstarter, Indiegogo, Fun Black Founders, these would be great platforms for you to get started with your first crowdfunding campaign. Then if you're later on where you're like, have some traction, right? You've made some sales, you're seeing customers are picking up, you have some significant success, that could make you look really appetizing to investors, then you should try investment crowdfunding. And there's different platforms around there. There's the WeFunder, there's the, a couple of them. There's StartEngine. These are like popular ones that people would know about. Another option for people who are just starting out is debt-based crowdfunding. There is a platform called Kiva that I love. And essentially it's debt-based crowdfunding meaning When people contribute to your campaign, essentially it's a loan, right, versus it's not an investment and it's not a rewards-based crowdfunding campaign where they're contributing in exchange for getting some type of reward or perk. So this is a loan when it comes to debt-based and you're expected to pay it back. Kiva does do early loans for founders. Kiva debt-based crowdfunding would be a good fit for you and also rewards-based crowdfunding if you don't want to have a loan and pay it back is also a good fit for early stage founders. All crowdfunding, I will say, like, you should definitely... I'm not gonna do it complete justice, me telling it, but essentially what crowdfunding is, is that you're using a platform online to get everyone that you know, a crowd, together, to come together to this one page online, and they believe in you, they believe in your product, and they're going to contribute small dollar amounts, anywhere between, what, 25, upwards to 250, 500, micro amounts of money, they're gonna go ahead and contribute to your campaign, and the goal is a bunch of people come together and do this, right? And all that adds up to now adding up to the funding you need to launch or grow or scale or do something else with your business. In addition to getting the capital, you also get like these diehard fans, right? If you do it really right, you get these diehard fans who love to say things like, I remember when jesse called this product a totally different name and he like messed it up and did this and then it was pink and it wasn't blue like they love being able to share that like i remember when he like was crying on the side of the sidewalk because he like an investor like you know <laughs> so, like they why love- do you
0: make me sound so bad why do you make me sound so bad it's <laughs> it's amazing that.
1: They love that. So like that's the cr- the crowdfunding is like you, you need to tell these stories. You need to share this. You need to be transparent. I tell founders like if you want to do this, it's not a process that's good for people who are they don't want to share the, the highs and the lows and they don't want to talk to people, a lot of people about their business. And it's also not a good fit For people who don't have a crowd, you have to build a crowd like (laughs) that's critical. Any one of the options that you want to do, you have to. There's a reason why it's crowd funding and crowd is the first part of the word. You need to build and nurture a crowd before you even think about running the campaign. So I gave you like everything.
2: (laughs) No, you did. This is fantastic, Renee. I almost feel like we're um, sitting in on an MBA class with yeah. you sharing that information. And I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that theme for a minute because when we did our intro, we mentioned non dilutive co- dilutive, excuse me, capital. Yes. So maybe you could share with us uh, what that is exactly and why it's actually so important.
1: So. Dilutive capital, right, is when you have to pay it back. Let's say it's a loan or you have to give up ownership in your business, right? So that's going to dilute something, whether it's going to dilute your savings, your credit score or your ownership in your business. That's what dilutive capital is. Non-dilutive doesn't have any strings attached, right? There are no strings attached to this. You don't have to pay it back. You don't have to give up 20% ownership of your business. You don't have to promise your first child things of this sort. Like, you don't have to do any of these things, right? It's non-dilutive. So rewards crowdfunding, like Fund Black Founders, we are a non-dilutive capital option. And the reason why we did that, especially when it comes to Black entrepreneurs, it was really critical that we need to get a lot of non-dilutive capital to the founders that we support. All right? When you think about the funding gap that's going on as for when people are saying, "Oh, no one, you know, investors are not funding black entrepreneurs, they're not funding underrepresented entrepreneurs or minority entrepreneurs." That funding gap for black founders starts from day 1. It doesn't start at V mm-hmm. once you get to the point of you can get an angel investor, you can get a pre-seed or a venture capitalist intrigued in your business or you can get a loan right it doesn't start for there for a black founder it starts from I have an idea right and I'm a a black person who my wealth in comparison to other communities wealth is significantly lower on average right there's a wealth gap so with my idea right and with my limited amount of capital that I have just personally clearly that limits how big of a Business I can start from day one versus someone who hasn't had any systemic barriers that they've had to deal with, right? They've had generational wealth has been rolling, so it's not an issue for them. And then they also have seen or they have social networks around them that can help them, you know, really get their idea launched. So the non-dilutive aspect is really critical because this is how we're trying to bridge that gap at the start and to know the data point On that gap, why it's really critical is that white entrepreneurs, there's a data point that shows they are starting their businesses with around $106,000 in capital versus black founders. We're starting our businesses with around $36,000 in capital. There's a gap. So just think like we're on this race, we're at the Olympics, like we're just significantly further back and you're shooting the gun and telling us to go, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's a challenge.
0: There's so much to unpack about Access to capital, crowdfunding. But you know, you mentioned another term, and I want to make sure we capture the definition around it. Because you mentioned rewards based, could you describe what what that means to have a rewards based kind of platform?
1: So, rewards based, there's another aspect of crowdfunding that I didn't talk about, right? There's donation based crowdfunding, and people know that as GoFundMe, right? And this is when you're in dire need, like you have to bury a family member or there is some unjust cause. You know, these are like heartstring causes. People are charities that people are like, oh, I feel really bad. Let me help. Let me just give whatever money it is. Let me donate, right? There's donation crowdfunding. Rewards crowdfunding is different than that, right? Rewards means when people contribute, most of rewards crowdfunding is normally around businesses, that's one. And when people contribute to the campaign, they're expecting some type of reward or perk for doing it. So examples of rewards or perks may be first access to a sneaker that you're about to release, right? So you'll get the first hundred that's going to come out. Right. Versus having to wait a year later for when everyone else gets access to it at the Nike store, maybe getting a significantly lower price point at it of a product or service. Right. Maybe you'll get first access to, for example, one of the campaigns that's launching on our platform. One of the rewards, it's a card game they're going to offer is that you're going to be able to, like, actually come in with their editors to make the next you know deck. Right? You'll have access to that's like a high quality, like it's going to be a nice event. They're going to have cocktails, all this stuff in a celeb. So you get access to attend that event and also possibly be, you know, make a card for the game. So that's what rewards crowdfunding is. It's not you're not giving up any debt. Anytime someone contributes to your campaign, they are expecting to get some type of perk or reward. It could be a thank you. It could be early access to a product or service, but it's non-dilutive, so you don't have to go into debt to do it. You don't have to give up ownership of your business to do it, and you don't have to pay back the money. You just have to fulfill the reward.
0: I think Thank you for that clarification. I think so many people, when they think of crowdfunding, they are thinking about the GoFundMes, especially during covid We had so many people turning to that as a tool, right, you know, to Mm -hmm. cover expenses related to a lot of different health issues. But really, you know, the idea of using that same type of platform to invest in someone's idea, someone's creation, someone's business is, is really exciting.
1: Right. Prop funding is still not mainstream. Like not everybody knows about it. They know GoFundMe though, right? So not everyone knows the, the other side of it, like you said, Jesse, about like, oh, people are actually using this to fund their businesses and they're not in a crisis. Like, like not everyone knows that. Right. Right. Like so mm-hmm. that's the part that we have to educate around, too, for folks to get it. Like, listen, there's this is what a lot of people are doing. A lot of products that you probably are using right now, you wouldn't even you would be shocked to know that it started from a crowdfund. It started from a crowdfunding campaign.
0: You started to mention about what makes a, a, a campaign successful. Right. And actually, I have a, a brother who. Is launching. Uh, he launched his own campaign using, I think, a Kickstarter for a board game. And one thing I could share that, that made it really interesting is that the updates, you know, like doing updates and keeping us in the loop as far as what stage they're in and sharing, like, you know, graphics and that kind of thing. But, you know, this is your expertise. What makes a successful crowdfunding campaign?
1: What makes a successful crowdfunding campaign is a founder who well before, so like a year before, I'm going to tell you, like a year before they actually run that campaign, they are already talking to everyone they know. Um, about their business right every single person that they know so people they went to school with people they've worked with people they went to church with people in their family social media right they're building their social media presence where they're synonymous with their business right so like if you are creating a product let's say water they're instantly thinking oh jesse has to bez water Right. Their crowd is instantly like just that's the founder that makes a successful crowdfunding campaign because Mm. they built and they're having a regular conversation with not just their personal network, but online via email, you know, sending emails to their followers, to potential customers and talking candidly about what they're doing. They're sharing updates, like you said, Jesse, but well in advance of this campaign, the updates that look like oh, we were able to find clean water here. And now we actually created a couple designs of the bottles this week. So we want to get your feedback. That's the secret sauce of like running a successful campaign of the founders that we've coached and the founders that we've studied on this. If you're doing that level of conversation online and offline with everyone to the point that people synonymously think you whenever they think the product your campaign's going to (laughs) go. You can figure out everything else. Your campaign is going to go because the crowd, like as soon as you launch that campaign, the crowd is already going to be like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I get like, of course. You want to get the conversation to the level that it feels like the crowd feels like they're building this product with you, right? They Mm -hmm. feel so vested in it. And that's what, they are the ones who show up for the campaign, like, let's go, like, I'm ready, like, I can't wait for this to, like, launch, and here's my money, like, I believe in Jesse. And they're sharing your campaign, right? And they're telling their friends, like, get in here and do this, and they're speaking it up. And then you're also, the other part that I would say a part of the crowd, too, is not just your personal network, not just, like, you finding potential customers, industry areas, and things of that sort, but think press, Think bloggers, think influencers, the folks who are writing about similar products or writing about the space that you're in, building a relationship with them, right? (laughs) Treating them as a person and like having a nice conversation, like commenting on what they're writing, saying, I love this post that you did, or I love this article that you featured. I love your content, like building that relationship so that when your campaign is ready to go, they already know about your product. They know who you are. They're like, of course, I'm going to write about it. And now I'm going to write about it and share it and get more people (laughs) to your campaign. So I will say on the other part, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, (laughs) and I'll continue talking by the way, as you can see. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) I will say that is the most effective way of running a successful campaign. It starts from well in advance of the campaign. You have this crowd that you're building and you have a conversation. It's warmed and nurtured crowd who's like ready. There are people who do another way of doing this, right? Hmm. And that other way of doing this is you can launch your campaign, but you're going to have a huge marketing and advertising budget. Huge, okay? (laughs) Like, you're literally going to, instead of doing that work for a year or so of building this, like, nurtured relationships and conversations, you are just going to pour in 30 to 50K of, like, running ads, Right. And you're going to find an agency to do it because you you don't have the expertise in doing this. So you're going to work with a crowdfunding agency who they're going to require a certain minimum spend. And they're going to ask you to give up. They're going to work in in addition to you giving a percentage of what you make to the platform that you're on. The agency will also take a percentage. So that's Mm -hmm. the other option. If you do not want to be that person, you can Mm -hmm. do that. If you have deep pockets and you want to do it, I don't recommend it, even if you do have deep pockets mm-hmm. to do that, that like, you don't really take advantage of the full benefits of crowdfunding when you do it that way. Right. You don't build this core evangelist group. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, you're it's not building,
2: building your group. army. Yeah. it's It's a little artificial sounding.
1: Yes, it is. It'll work and not all the time, but it'll work if you have a good agency and good agencies, by the way, and I'm just telling your listeners this so they know, because like, I'm not going to waste your time to go Google and figure this out. Good agencies also, they only want specific types of businesses, right? Businesses that they've had similar success with. So keep that in mind too, right? It's all a, they have their formulas. So that's why I don't push it. I don't recommend it. I recommend folks build your crowd organically.
0: Yeah. I have many questions, Sid, about things like, well, then it really flips the idea of the entrepreneur alone in their garage, right? You know, working on this thing and not opening it up to others for insight perspective, not, you know, including them in the open design process at all you know questions i have everything's like well then is it better to be an extrovert what if you're not an extrovert right what if they're not if you're not comfortable but sid i know you have questions too man so maybe you know you want to take the next one
2: yeah well i mean i feel like first of all there's like a workshop in here renee (laughs) like from you know like we're having a great conversation
1: like this is a podcast, right? This is a podcast. Exactly.
2: (laughs) You know, one of the reasons why I was honestly just thrilled to have you join us is so that we could have a bit of a conversation on a topic that's really important to me personally, which is, you know, we've seen many news reports around recently around the significant rise in first time minority entrepreneurs, particularly black and women entrepreneurs. And in fact, Brookings did a study after the last recession that it was its minority and women entrepreneurs that are hardest hit by the recession, but in fact it was those firms that helped to get the economy back on its feet, mm-hmm. right? So I really just wanted to talk to you about like why do you think that is that we're seeing like if there is like a real a rise in first time minority entrepreneurs? Do you think that's a lasting trend? Is that something that's just cyclical with the economy as well? <clears throat>
1: That's going to be a forever trend. That's a like point blank, regardless of whether it is the economy, whether it is the pandemic, whether it is COVID, it's going to be a forever trend because we saw the trend was here before COVID and the pandemic, right? I would say there's a couple different factors as for why this happens. One factor is minorities technically at times don't feel really welcomed at the different corporations that they work for, right? They don't feel these spaces are really open to them bringing their entire selves to work, right? Or they feel the spaces may not look like them. So that one encourages people to like, I'm going to start my own thing. Right. Because I want to do my own thing. I want to work in a place where I feel welcomed and I want to do something that's really going to be more impactful. That's one thing. Two, if you're not getting rewarded or progressed in your workplace, right, you're not being valued, that's also going to incite where I'm like, why am I staying here? So that's one factor of just being unhappy in the workplace, which is like a general issue that we have to deal with of like different racism and systemic issues that are going on and lack of dni right because people are trying to figure out like all corporations are trying to figure out their dni issues and they're failing so that pushes people out that's one then i mean covid and the pandemic like people get fired right (laughs) or people lost their jobs and they have to figure out something else out of necessity it's like i have to figure out i have to cover my needs so how else am i going to do it I'm going to start a business, right? I'm going to do something that I'm already have a passion for or something that I'm good at, whether it's cooking something or doing hair or doing some type of service, teaching something. Like, it's just naturally, we've always kind of, our communities always had side hustles. So it's just a natural progression of like, all right, let me make this my main hustle because circumstances pushed it to like, now I have to make it my main hustle. Mm -hmm. Then what's interesting is, I love your data point, Sid, and I would love for you to send me that data point. There was a data point around the stimulus checks that came out where they were able to see in specific zip codes, specific area codes, where as soon as the stimulus check landed, there was an increase in those same area codes of people filing to start businesses. And, and those areas were all minority, specifically black and brown neighborhoods. We're so hungry to be our own bosses, to be entrepreneurs, that we are taking our stimulus check and literally starting a business during COVID. This is what we're doing. This isn't going to be a fleeting issue. This is going to be the new world, in my opinion. And then also, you know, like, eventually, like the whole world is going to be black and brown, right? So so Mm -hmm. so the other aspect of it, too. So I feel all the trends are leading towards this is the new, this is what's going to happen. Everyone's going to have their business that they're doing, whether it's like major tech companies, whether it's just a micro business, everyone's going to be doing this, especially in our communities out of necessity, out of wanting to do more, out of wanting to make impact, out of wanting a different life. And that data has been here forever. (laughs) Like, to be honest with you, like I said, before COVID, I'm more concerned around... With that data point, two data points that I'm worried about is one, even though we know that those numbers, why aren't more resources going to specifically to these groups? Like why? It just makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you do that when you know this is what can drive the economy? This is what can rebuild us. Why would you not drive more resources towards those groups to help them? Right. Like that's one. That's my data point that I'm really concerned with and why we have to fight for those resources. And two, I think there's a data point that says like 24 percent of black Americans start businesses, 4 percent make it past startup stage. Why are we not jumping in to figure out like what's going on here? (laughs) Right. And pouring resources in to fix that, knowing the importance of small business. So those are the things that bother me. It's like, here's the data. Why aren't we doing this?
2: You know Jesse I just have to make a comment which is just to that data point Renee when's there going to be the first African American chair of the Federal Reserve or and I'm trying to think about like has there been an African American US Treasury secretary when you think about representation and you think about like what it means to have people in leadership who are have a perspective of lived experiences and what that means and how they can actually use that Bully pulpit, if you will, to drive like kind of big institutions to think differently. You know, to address some of the data points you're bringing. I'm not suggesting that's the only answer, but it certainly, in my mind, because I'm always thinking about the macro kind of conversation, has as a role to play. Frankly,
0: you know, it it, it bothers us to Renee. I mean, this is why Sid and I with the help of Barcy, you know, launched Small Business Fund, because we saw that during the pandemic, entrepreneurs, especially solo entrepreneurs, sole proprietors, single member LLCs, especially minority, minority business owners not getting support resources in the way that was meaningful for them. And I'm curious, and this ties into, you know, questions around access to capital. And, you know, this is really then kind of disrupt the way things have been done you know, everybody's talking now that the new label right now is the idea of like the great resignation, right? Everybody quitting jobs and starting things, you know, in many ways I think of it as like, it's the the great reset, you know, people really deciding, oh, I can start my life anew now. And I've been, I've had the luxury, I hate to say luxury, but the ability to spend the past year thinking about what is truly important to me. And so, so a few questions for you. I guess the first question is like around access to capital. I mean, I don't, I don't need to tell you, you know, historic systemic racism has stymied access to capital for black-owned firms for over 100 years. You know, the Federal Reserve back in 2019 said that less than one quarter of black-owned firms have a current borrowing relationship with the bank. So a, a big question for me is, do you think this is truly the future? Do you think this community-based grassroots support around... Financing Is this the future? And do you think that because of the pandemic that you now have people who are comfortable with virtual tools where it might have been harder for them to be an extrovert and rally a community? But when so many of us had to go onto Zoom and use social media to stay connected because we couldn't do it in person, do you think it's going to be easier now for entrepreneurs to use crowdfunding platforms to... To, you know, secure financing. So two big questions, I guess, for you.
1: Yes, this is the future. Right. But in a different version. So at Fun Black Founders, by the way, yes, crowdfunding is technically the technology that we're using. Right. But we're really a friends and family capital alternative. Yes, the tool is... The first part of the tool is you're coming on the platform. You are... We're helping you build a crowd for you to raise a bunch of capital from this crowd to start this business. But then we match what you raise, right? And the match comes by way of us building relationships with banks and brands who they get that this is an issue that we need to fix. And they also see the potential in the founders, right? So they come on and they're matching what the founders raise. So I say... Crowdfunding can work, but I think there's going to be different versions of it, right? Similar to what we're doing. So there's going to be different tweaks around it. And for different demographics and different customer sets, you're going to need a different style of it, which is why like, we do this. We know that for our customer, like friends and family capital is non-existent, right? So that's why we have to jump in and we had to do a different alternative way of doing it, right? Where we have to build this. The other aspect I will say that we have to be thinking around, which I'm learning on, is tech policy, right? Because you and I think like, this makes sense, right? I'm like, just get on Zoom. But what I've been getting educated around, I'm doing this, we are a part of Google. Google has a next gen programming where they select people to learn about tech policy and to kind of like, you know, start opening up your eyes as for, like, what's going on and why it's important for us to start advocating for tech policy outside of thinking around privacy and surveillance. There's a bigger issue. Half of our world or half of the U.S. doesn't have access to broadband, (laughs) which was baffling to me, especially in low-income neighborhoods. That's a problem, right? So they're reliant on smartphones. So no, that's a barrier that has to be fixed, Mm -hmm. right? Because I can't expect my black and brown person in this low-income area who's using just a smartphone to be able to have, to get access to the tools that they need to start a business, right? And that they can do just from this phone, that there's a challenge there. So, and this, and COVID is showing this even more, right? We're seeing this with like children with access to online school. So yes, it's the future, but right now what it's bringing up is that we have to fix these other parts of it to make sure like everyone should have access to broadband. It's ridiculous. Like, it's absolutely ridiculous where you have companies that are able to be like, no, I'm not going to run broadband over there in that neighborhood. Why? Totally. So I say yes, the future, but there's another civil rights issue that is is coming up right now. Right. But especially with COVID and it's around tech policy and we have to figure that out where like everyone has access to all that stuff, then it'll open up everything
0: yeah i mean it just opens up a whole new slate of challenges right i mean it reveals so many different things because it does point to yeah i mean like not just minority community rural areas right you know how could they participate if the world goes virtual right and if the opportunity for community is increased and maybe everybody is getting a little bit more familiar and reaching out virtually but if you don't have the right tool to do it or even the wi-fi how could you ever yeah how are you supposed to do it
1: There's an advisor who, one of the things he says, and I'm not going to nail this, his name is Seth from the Foundry, and he says, like, around the problem that we're solving around access to capital. He's like, you give them small capital, they're going to think small. You give them bigger capital, they can think bigger. And it's the same thing. Like, you give them access to. And I think the bigger picture is, it's not about, like, if you're someone who's like, I don't want you know, underrepresented communities to have money or I want them to be. It's not about that. It's about like, just think of all the innovation that we are thwarting because of it, right? Like think of all the other things that we are bottlenecking because we're like limiting only a certain group of people have access to these resources.
2: You know what, Renee? Let's like just turn to you as an entrepreneur yourself. What recommendations do you have for others who are just beginning their entrepreneurship journey.
1: One. So, Jesse, you kind of touched on this earlier where you're like, what if you're like an introvert and you don't want to talk about it, you just build in the um you build in the garage. Do not don't do it. That's the biggest thing I will say. Like, as soon as you have the idea, oh. right? As soon as you have the idea, do the most bare bones approach to it. Like, do it in a most manual way. Like, put up, like, a landing page. Put up, you know, get the domain. Just get it going and start talking to everybody about it, right? (laughs) Like, just start doing that as soon as possible and talk to anyone and everyone who will listen. I think that a lot of times we're, we're so focused on, it's not ready. It's not perfect. People are going to look at this and be like, Oh my gosh, this is horrible. Or no one's you're so worried around those things or you're worried around, Oh, someone's going to steal my idea. Your idea is already done. I promise you, (laughs) like, I promise you your idea already exists. And even if it is like, just get it out there. Like the quicker you get it out, you're going to save yourself So much time when you build out loud, like so many people can come in and say, Oh, let me help you on that, like, let me expedite what you're doing on that. Like, no, don't do it that way. They're gonna, they can share their advice. That's one, two, for me, I wish knowing what I know now, even if you're thinking about entrepreneurship but you don't know yet what you want to do, I wish I built. A network before building Fun Black Founders. So if you could, and it doesn't always happen this way, so like don't knock yourself. But if I could do it over, I wouldn't change it. But I wish I had a network. I wish I built a network before building Fun Black Founders. I wish I had built the social capital that I need before doing it, because then I think it would have expedited where we are. So now it's just, it's harder. Because you're, I'm building network and building the business at the same time. If you are a founder coming in where you don't have social capital, you don't have a network, then start doing that from now. Like start laying the groundwork around that because you'll get so much further.
0: Yeah, it's such great advice. You know, I know on your platform you have so many amazing entrepreneurs you know, for our listeners, I would love for you just to give them a sense of what type of businesses, if there's anyone in particular you want to give a a, a shout out to, but, but I know you have just some really incredible, and if you haven't been to Renee's site, the Fun Black Founders site, your layout, the way you present your entrepreneurs is just really kind of next level, but would you mind just shining a light on some of them for us?
1: So we've had everything from beauty to biotech, I tell you, on our platform, which I love to like say that word, say that statement. One founder I'll highlight, her campaign is closed, so you can't support her on the campaign but you can support her elsewhere and that is Khadija. Khadija of the nihilist was the name of her business and i say was because during the pandemic during the black lives matter and all the stuff that happened you know the horrible horrific stuff that took place she felt compelled to start sharing a list of businesses that she wanted everyone in her network like we're shopping from these black owned businesses here is the google sheet You're going to make sure you're going to do this. That sheet then turned into a website listing. Then she wanted to make it easier using tech where anytime you're on, you know, online shopping, a black alternative will pop up, right? But she needed capital to do this. She came to fund black founders. We helped her raise over $45,000 for her to build out this tech, right? To build out the next portion of it. To then find out, so she gets the capital. She starts building Salesforce, Sean Puffy Combs Enterprises and Deloitte acquire her business. So she literally went from idea to acquisition within like under one and a half year, one and a half, acquired it and brought her on board to lead a new version of it, right? So they've acquired it and now they're like pouring in all the resources she needs. Those are the stories that we're creating here, right? To go from like... Here, you come with us, we get you this friends and family capital, non-dilutive, so you can build this amazing innovation and get acquired or keep it or do whatever it is. So that's one founder.
0: Yeah, and imagine she couldn't, you know, the profile she received by, you know, through your support, positioned her well. I mean, that's an incredible story, especially during, you know, pandemic when, you know, all the odds are against you, right? But yeah, that's amazing.
1: This is a thing, too, that especially as black founders, like we have to show so much. So like she needed that capital to show like we're not getting, you know, the you hear the story of the people who are getting like funded from a napkin, an idea on and they're like, this is the idea. That's not our experience. So like for us, we have to like show so much and do so much traction for people to buy in. So that's was critical. This capital, she needed this capital to like sh- build out the next leg for then for it to pick up You know, to get that visibility for Salesforce, Deloitte and Sean Combs to like say, oh, right, we're coming in. We're taking over and we're going to like have you lead it and we're acquiring like to do all what they did. So that's amazing. We have a bunch of founders launching in October. So look out for that. when they're exciting. A lot of different products. We did this in partnership with Drew and Lauren Holiday. Drew is from the Milwaukee Bucks. NBA champion and also Olympian Lauren is also Olympian she was first Olympian in their household Lauren Holiday, a soccer Olympian and they're very committed a family committed to like we have to figure this out like how do we help these black owned businesses and they committed 1 million per year up to 5 years to our platform to match so there are founders that have come in that we're working with and they're going to be launching in October. So stay tuned for that.
2: I cannot believe it, but we are almost out of time. I feel like uh, we could do three more workshops with you just to talk about the platform and, and how businesses and entrepreneurs can really kind of, Build their own communities to be successful, and just grateful to you for all the great work you're doing. I I would just like to know how can people stay in touch with you and and fund Black Founders.
1: So they can follow us on social. We are Fund F U N D Black B L A C K Founders F O U N D E R S on Instagram, Facebook. I'm at the Renee King. You can follow me on Twitter. We are Fund Black F N D R S. Somebody has it. They should give it back. And then. I will say one thing I have to say, I'm a product of my ecosystem. So I'm a product of Jesse's helped me. Google for startups has helped me. Jewel has helped me. Like this is all like people who like I built a relationship with during this time. They all gave me help to get it to this point. I can't take credit for where we're at without shouting out. Like there's a lot of amazing Mm. people who have generously been guiding our support. So thank you.
0: You're just an amazing person, Renee. So excited to see what comes next and and everything you're doing to support Black entrepreneurs. It's just going to be incredible to watch uh, you and your progress in the years to come. But thank you. Thank you so much for being on Hack My Business. It's been a real pleasure for us.
1: Thank you. This was awesome. I love it. Thank you.
0: If you need help and want to be a part of our community and find resources to grow your business, join us at our website at smallbusinessfront.com. We'd love to see you there. Have a great day and we'll catch you next time on Hack My Business.